All right, everybody, welcome to the August 17th edition of Cascadian Views. You've got uh, Dan and I here today. How are you doing? Howdy, howdy. I'm doing well. I'm doing old. But... <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah. I, uh, I come to you with joyous news. We are going to greatly expand uh, the American nation through the purchase of Greenland, apparently. It's going to like double our land mass. It's huge. Yeah. I thought I'd start with the one that's, you know, the most fun. And then we can go into the more depressing ones. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not as huge as you might think it is. Actually, it's not nearly as big as, as you think it is. And definitely not as huge as Trump thinks it is. No. But... <laughs> it is all a, a figment of the Mercator projection, actually. Greenland is just so far north, it appears huge. It, it looks on a map about the same size as Africa. Right. Uh, Africa is like 15 times larger <laughs> than Greenland is. Well, I guess it's probably for the best that way. Uh, well, maybe Trump would try to buy Africa with, if he looked at a more accurate projection. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, that just seemed to kind of come out of a whole lot of huh? He also thinks he'd be buying it from Denmark. Right. Uh, Denmark does not have the power to buy and sell Greenland. Uh, in fact, the only thing that Denmark does for Greenland is A, their monarch is Greenland's monarch, and B, they're responsible for the defense of the island. <laughs> so it would be, okay, not quite analogous, but fairly close to buying Canada from the UK. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, <laughs> maybe slightly more accurately, like uh, buying what's uh, what's a realm that's still like within like Jersey or something, I guess, or the Isle of Man. Oh, right, right. Just the vaguely yeah UK protectorates. I think there's a they've got some islands in the Caribbean as well. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like that or something. Right? Huh. Yeah, they, they share a monarch, and uh, the colonizing power has agreed to provide for the defense. But uh, other than that, they have complete autonomy within the kingdom of Denmark. They are their yeah. own country. They set their own laws. They have their own currency, their own stamps, their own police force. Like, you don't buy sure. Greenland from Denmark. You buy Greenland from Greenland if they want to sell it. Right. And I, I guess the idea is... There's not that many people there, so clearly it's big and empty, and more and more of it is going to be not covered in ice over the next 40 years, so Which maybe will that's a good buy. actually make it smaller than it is now. <laughs> um, if, if the ice sheet uh, above Greenland disappeared, at least for the first few thousand years, uh, it would become a network of islands with a pretty oh. big ocean in the middle of it. The, the ice sheet uh, is not only holding the water out, but is also, and has been for millions of years, compressing the land, bringing right. it down. Uh, it, it will probably rebound up at some point after the ice melts, but that's a process that takes a very long time. And much of the land, such as it is of Greenland under the ice sheet, uh, would be below sea level if the ice sheet were not. Okay, so it... Probably can't get a lot of casinos, at least in that part. So, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's, I guess this is one of the funnier things that Trump's brain worms have led us to, so. Yeah, and it, he's apparently taking it quite seriously. 
Like, he's asked for legal opinions from the White House counsel and whatnot about the legality of buying Denmark, or, excuse me, of buying Greenland. Yeah. He's compared it to Louisiana Purchase. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's a thing for him. Yeah, yep. <laughs> it's exactly like buying what is now two-thirds of the landmass of the United States. <laughs> The 50,000 people on Greenland, would they get their own senator? Would it be the um, smallest state? Would we keep well, it as a territory? I think it would have to be a territory. I mean, 50, well, shoot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they would be kind of fucked up to make that a state, but Puerto Rico is still a territory. So, yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Um, Greenland is, I guess, strategically important. It is... Um, well, I, maybe more so in the past. As part of the GI-UK gap, the Greenland-Iceland-United-Kingdom gap that NATO kept uh, basically continuously manned and listened to um, in order to ascertain when Soviet submarines were coming into and leaving the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think anybody really needs Greenland for anything right now. Uh, I, I don't see why he's so obsessed with this. Yeah, I, I think with so much, it comes back to brain worms. Uh, who knows? You know, Russia's getting more hostile. Maybe, maybe there may be some strategic significance to that again. But yeah, that's that just seems like a whole lot of uh, not very well put together thoughts. And uh, suddenly, because it's something he can focus on, it becomes something he has to focus on because. He, it's not like he's going to be able to think really hard and come up with something big brained about, uh, you know, tariffs with the Chinese. He's just going to yell a few things and that's it. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess we'll move on to the more depressing parts of Trump watch now. Sure. Um, and this will tie into another story we're talking about. Um, he, he made a retweet this week of a, uh, well, a, a Clinton body count conspiracy, which I haven't really seen since the late 90s. Yeah, it, it's been, well, I don't know, there was, there was probably some of that, you know, leading up to 2016. But uh, yeah, with uh, the suicide of Jeffrey Epstein, it seems like the whole internet has lost its mind and uh, everything is now... I guess everything is now the smoking man from the X-Files and we're all you know, looking for the hand of the Clintons in this or whoever else. One of the you know, hundreds of you know, pedophiles supposedly that Epstein was associating with that are going to whack him to keep him from testifying. There, there's a lot about Epstein that raises a lot of alarm bells for me. Um, and the suicide is just one of many. Nobody has given me a clear answer of how Epstein got his money. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I know how he got it. He's a broker and he requires you to deposit at least a billion dollars with him before he'll take you as a client. And he, he takes the standard cut of that. But there's nothing in his history that suggests he should be a broker. There's nothing in his history that suggests, like, up until the point that many, many, many other people had given him at least a billion dollars, that there was any reason whatsoever for you to give him a billion dollars. Yeah. 
there is something very sketchy going on in like the backstory of that and i'm i'm pissed more than anything about the death uh likely suicide uh Mm -hmm. as determined by the medical examiner but uh i'm really pissed for not gonna get more answers from him yeah i mean my assumption has been that he must have started pretty rich already because that's kind of the main way to become a billionaire is to start out as a millionaire but yeah i mean it is definitely a very very odd kind of life story and life path that you know the guy has been seen as pretty sketchy you know both business-wise and in his personal conduct you know for decades he's God managed to skate through a lot of it, you know, mostly on being a very wealthy person and having a lot of very powerful friends. Um, but yeah, it does not really, it, it, I'm not, it, it's hard to tell how much of it is just society in general is fucked up and rich people get away with ridiculous things that uh, other people, you know, wouldn't come even close to getting away with, uh, but you know, just having that kind of uh, background and having that kind of uh, money to throw around allows you to live by a different set of rules. He but, uh, he actually did not start rich. He didn't. No, he was uh, he was self made. Well, I, so let's go over his career arc. He he was yeah. born in the fifties, um, at the product of a shotgun wedding. He was conceived. Really? Uh, a few months before his parents actually got married, his his mother, uh, his parents were Jewish. His mother was a, a homemaker and occasionally worked part time as a school aide. His father was a groundskeeper and gardener for the New York City Department uh, of Recreation, Parks and Rec. Uh, he uh. he was one of three children. Eventually, he was the oldest. He attended public schools. He attended two different colleges. Dropped out of both. Uh, he got a job as a junior assistant to a floor trader, literally the most entry-level job you can get at Bear Stearns, uh, which is how he talked his way in. And then somehow, like literally within a year or two, had moved all the way up to being an options trader in their special products division, working with their wealthiest clients. Uh, And then at some point, four or five years later, in 1981, he was kicked out for serious policy violations that nobody has talked about. Nobody from Bear Stearns has ever commented on that beyond saying it was a serious policy violation. Uh, And that was when he opened his private wealth management service in 1981, and he's been doing that ever since. Huh. Like, he has an extremely suspicious career path. That is really bizarre. I'm not completely sold on the idea that he got to where he is literally being like, a procurer for wealthy pedophiles. Yeah, I well, I'm trying to think of that timeline there. I mean, it's certainly like he was on track to get somewhere, but he also suffers this massive setback before he's even 30 years old, which really should have been the end of it, I would think, I especially think since it's not like he's coming from some big background. Yeah. He, he, so, I mean, not to denigrate public schools. I think they're the, the greatest mm-hmm. thing in the world. I, I think they're one of the greatest equalizers in a democracy that helps lift all boats. But that is not exactly the, the crew that uh, advanced, you know, upper echelon Wall Street picks from. 
He's never attended yeah. a private school. He uh, he attended only public schools his entire life. Two public colleges, both of which he dropped out of. Never got a college degree. Yeah, I, I don't Let's... see how he even gets in the door at Bear Stearns. Uh, although it, it was an entry level job, and he just somehow, like in the space of a year, rocketed away his way up to the public face of the bank for their wealthiest clients. The the mm -hmm. people with the most money in Bear Stearns wanted to work with Epstein. He he char he yeah he charmed somebody and you know, certainly impressed somebody you know despite again not having that traditional background and I guess he became a despite not at Bear Stearns in four years four years and again you know, very young yeah if he was born in the you know late fifties or yeah because he was what sixty six when he passed so he was it must born have been... in fifty three yeah yeah so all this is before he's thirty years old mm -hmm. yeah you know, he's twenty eight when he's you know shown the door that's. That's very strange. You know, to have at that point, a college dropout, a partner at Bear Stearns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, there is dirt in Epstein's past. I, yeah, I'm think... very convinced of that, and I am incredibly upset that he's not going to be able to spill the beans. That he's not yeah. going to be able to talk. There is a lot going on. Mm -hmm. um, the suicide, I'm less conspiratorial about. Right. <laughs> I, uh, it it happened literally day or the day that the massive document was ordered unsealed by the court. He was, uh, you know, he had been trying to buy favor in prison. He had been putting money in other inmates' uh, commissary accounts. He had been uh, paying lawyers not to do any legal work, but to come sit in the the conference room with him in jail for twelve hours a day, so he didn't have to be around the other inmates or in his cell. He was trying to buy as much of an exemption from jail as he could. That wasn't working. He wasn't, you know, getting any special treatment. This document dump comes. He he just, he ends all. I mean, prison suicides are incredibly common. I, yeah. And it's not like he had a great deal to look forward to at that point. You know, he was going to go through a humiliating trial. Uh, he was going to go to jail for the rest of his life. Uh, probably end up in protective custody if he's lucky because pedophiles don't do very well in prison either, especially notorious ones. Um, and that's really no picnic either, being in protective custody either because you're kept by yourself uh, and you don't really get any of the kind of human interaction. It's almost another kind of torture. Uh, but yeah, that was really all he had to look forward to for the next you know 20 some years unless he took the took the other way out which he did so yeah huh yeah i mean huh. and i'm still baffled at that life story just it's it's uncanny. itching at my brain yeah. yeah something happened he he had the key to something and knowing his life story and his life arc and what he used all his money to do his private islands and having a woman who would literally procure underage prostitutes for him and, and whatnot, it mm -hmm. does not at all uh, stretch the imagination that he may have uh, picked up that as the key to success uh, very early on. Yeah. Wow. You know, he had, he had two younger siblings. I, 
I forget exactly if they were male or female, but you know, something that comes to mind growing up a poor family in New York ghetto, making some extra money on the side by, you know, running a prostitution ring. I could see him. That's a dark place. Yeah. I could see him coming to these skills extremely early on in his life and using them to climb the corporate ladder uh, at the height of wall street uh, as quickly as he did. This is something I'm sure JJ would be chomping at the bit to talk about. Yeah, man, we need to get that guy back on here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Wow. Uh, the other thing that interested me is he he apparently did the suicide on the ground, uh, mm-hmm. hung himself on the ground. This was a plot point in the wire in a state yeah, prison two, suicide. right? Yeah, he and the uh, you know. Yeah, that was Can't done you? as a murder yes. and then disguised as a, a suicide. I, I don't imagine the other way that around. was intentional. Yeah, I do not imagine that was intentional, but it did strike me as conspiracy theorist bait completely. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Holy shit. Wild. Uh, I, I guess the other thing we can mention in the... Uh, the Trump watch was he, he took a swipe at Portland today uh, and our mayor mm-hmm. calling him to do his job uh, in the face of, well, I'm, I'm sure he meant Antifa, but uh, I, I took it as, you know, should probably just crack some skulls and pick the proud boys out of town. We'll talk about that later, too. They were yeah, we're, we're getting there. Yeah. Wait, so wait, Trump was on uh, Wheeler's ass about just the existence of antifa or yes yes <sighs> okay he can control that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um and he also tweeted out a, a vague threat along with that about listing them as a terrorist organization because oh jesus yeah it, it, it's not like it even is a single organization it's just it's pretty much any left-wing group that you know wants to brand itself as being anti-fascist. Well, so we actually have an organized anti-fascist community in Portland. It's, mm-hmm. it's why we're considered their their stronghold in America. It's called Rose City Antifa, mm-hmm. um, and I I realize most people pronounce it Antifa, but I cannot mm-hmm. see the word anti and fascist and not keep their pronunciations. Sure. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Rose City Antifa has been uh, organized for decades now, I believe, um, and, and actually has a hierarchy and is a structure and planning, and they're able to like execute intelligently on what they're doing. They're not just an amorphous blob of anonymous individuals with no centralized authority or whatnot. I wouldn't necessarily call it authority, but centralized planning. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's what actually allows such coordinated resistance to these proud boy rallies and what you know they can they can command a crowd of thousands to show up and march like when they want them to and you know publicize these events they're well known in the community it's it's very impressive um it's one of the best examples of left-wing organizing in, um that i've seen but it it's it does give Antifa kind of a face for Trump to rail at, and that face is Portland. Yeah, yeah. All right, I think, okay, we still had a little bit more on the Trump watch. Well, He's, sort of. Uh, it, getting it, into... Yeah, it ties into our Israel thing. Um, yeah. Earlier this week, Trump uh, tweeted some, I guess he would call it friendly advice. 
yeah. that Netanyahu and Israel would look weak if they allowed um, representatives Omar and Tlaib into the country. Um, Tlaib is going to go see her, I believe it's her grandmother? Yes, her grandmother. Or no, might be her mother, actually. I believe her mother is still living in Palestine. Yeah, just uh, just over the border into Palestine. She actually yeah. lives quite close to the dividing line. Um, and, and Israel took the message from Trump. Sure as hell, banned him. Um, although they did eventually relax the ban for Tlaib. Just yeah. not Omar. They still don't want Omar around. Uh, but then Tlaib said, to hell with it, fuck you. Uh, my mother wouldn't want me to bend the knee. She's not that kind of woman. It would make her feel terrible to see me coming here made to deny myself. Right. Uh, so that's a thing. They're denying sitting congresspeople the right to enter the country. And their, their fig leaf of a reason was this group that they're involved in, whose name that I, I don't even remember now. Um, that apparently Israel bans participation of. It, it's not BDS, <laughs> although the group does support BDS. Uh, yeah. However, somebody dug out the extensive number of trips paid for by this organization to other Congress people to visit Palestine and Israel over the last decade and a half, and not a single one of them, Israel had the slightest problem. Let yeah. all of them in. Well, that when you get down to it, you're right. It's a it's a fig leaf uh, because what they're doing is doing Trump a favor, politically speaking. You know, he he's been you know ginning up hate against these Congress people. You know, saying they're anti-Semitic, anti-Israel, and what he'd love to point to is say, look, they're so anti-Semitic they can't even go to Israel. They're not allowed because they're spooky terrorists or they're associated with terrorists and. That's why I'm, you know, rallying you all against them because, you know, they're horrible people. And yeah, it's the Israeli government doing them a favor. I think that's the only way you can look at it. The, the only thing that makes sense is they're doing Trump a solid for the domestic sphere. Which is part of a worrying pattern from the Netanyahu government uh, over the last couple decades of him sticking his nose into U.S. domestic politics. Yeah, I well, mean, they were. He, mm -hmm. he took that invitation from House Republicans to come trash Obama in Congress while Obama was president. Well, even during the 2012 election, he was, you know, stirring up a lot of advocacy, you know, anti-Obama, you know, rhetoric and I think conduct. They were uh, really pitching for I think it was conflict with Iran right around uh, September, October of 2012, just, you know, slightly before the election. Uh, again, trying to make Obama look weak, trying to start a big fight. And yeah, it's a pattern of repeated interference in American politics, you know, on you know, going just one way on behalf of Republicans. And in a weird way, the fact that he's so open about it makes it harder to rally support against it, I guess, when you compare it to like Russian interference, which mm -hmm. maybe not as broad as I would like, but there is fairly broad, you know, rejection of that interference in the election and a desire to condemn Russia for it that 
is not quite the case when somebody is not sneaking around doing it, but just openly saying, hey, vote for mm -hmm. these guys. These other people are terrorists. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hmm. I mean, I think the effect that it does have is it, it makes... I mean, my feeling is it's going to make attitudes towards Israel much, much more partisan than they already are. I mean, there's been, you know, I, I think it seems like kind of a one-sided uh, appreciation for Israel, at least among a lot of corners of the Democratic Party. Uh, you know, the feeling that, you know, this is a you know, democracy that we are going to support and we have our emotional connections to and historical connections to and we're going to be on their side or at least we're going to be an honest broker with them as they negotiate and work out their differences with their neighbors uh, regardless of what they do and the fact that that has not been reciprocated particularly by this government under netanyahu is i, I think it's making a new generation of Democrats who've you know seen this um, over the last you know decade or so, uh, and this treatment and this stance toward American politics, and they're just going to say, "Well, we're not on their side." Then you know that's it. Uh, and if they're against us, then we're I don't know. Against them isn't really the way I would put it, but we're not on their side that necessarily at that point. You know the way it would have been probably pretty knee jerk for decades i would say it actually is impressive to me how much goodwill israel has managed to squander mm -hmm, in, in mm -hmm. a relatively short time like this is a country that was born out of the holocaust basically mm -hmm. we we watched jews be slaughtered in mass and the world declared never again and one of the ways to do that was to give them a country basically to restore the the kingdom of Israel that hadn't existed since the Middle Ages, uh, and, and allow this within hours of Israel becoming a country. Hours. It wasn't even a full day. Mm -hmm. Within a handful of hours of Israel like existing, it was attacked by an entire coalition of its neighbors. The yeah. the entire region around it, uh, and and they've been repeatedly attacked by coalitions of basically every country in the Middle East. Uh, they, they kicked Egypt's butt uh, the first time, took the Sinai, gave it back to them, and since then, Egypt has been the only one that hasn't joined it. They, they've been pretty good friends. But Jordan and Lebanon and Syria and Iraq and just everybody around them uh, mm -hmm. hated the shit out of them. It attacked them on the holiest day in, in the Jewish faith. The, the Yom Kippur War was another one that happened. And it, it is in a in a region where democracy is in short supply. It, it at least has the aspiration for a democratic state. Whether it reaches that is, you know, as always, uh, not quite the the real picture that we get. But that happens in every democracy. But it seemed like they were exhibiting the the ideals that we should try to encourage. Mm -hmm. And to take all that, the the total amount of like good faith and goodwill that that's going to engender from your everyday American over the last, you know, 67 to now, that's 50 years or so, uh, and just completely piss it all away to the point where Israel is now a partisan issue, takes like 
take some fucking effort. Yeah. Like, you have to work hard to screw things up that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you, it, I think it's going to go badly. You know, once you know, you know, once the political worm turns in the United States. I, I think they're going to be in a lot more difficulty. Of course, they'll be looking for other allies at that point. Uh, I think they've been fostering some pretty strong ties with India, uh, China, you know, other superpowers that you know they can have you know a solid relationship with, and other places that they can you know, have you know, reasonable trading relations with, and so on, and you know, yeah, make buddy, up for the fact that the all their neighbors. Yeah, yeah, with with most states in the EU. Yeah. Well, no, I mean they actually have special status in the European Union. They're like an official mm-hmm. observer state or something like that, um, and they participate in a lot of European international groupings. Um, like, I can't remember now. I think like the telephone system and the power grid. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, they're they're already kind of moving away from us, but. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We're we're the largest country on earth in terms of Jewish diaspora. In fact, I believe we have more Jews than Israel. So it it's kind of sad. I I think that mm-hmm. this relationship is deteriorating. But at the same time, I I feel almost entirely that it's their fault. Like they they have had fifty years to figure out this Palestine thing. Like they've yeah. They've had plenty of time, and nothing's happened, and their leadership has just dug in more and more and more and and become, under Netanyahu, basically bloodthirsty. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to pin that entirely on Netanyahu. In his own speaking about the matter, he he doesn't come across nearly as much uh, of a war hawk. But as his grip on power has slackened, and he's... You know, positions become more and more tenuous. He's had to make deals with just parties that I cannot even fathom anybody being okay making deals with. Like just ultra nationalists, the fucking KKK for over there, basically. Yeah. Well, it's some of that's the function of, you know, proportional representation and a body that has what. A ridiculous number of parties for oh, yeah. basically what a hundred seats. There has never been a majority government in yeah. the Israeli Knesset, and I think it has more than seats. Yeah, but no, it's been a coalition every single government since Israel's founding. Mm-hmm. Uh, one hundred and twenty, I guess you were. Yeah. you were close more right yeah. than I was. Yeah, I but yeah, you've got something like probably dozens of parties represented amongst that. Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Twenty parties. Hey, damn close. Yeah. <laughs> damn close to dozens. Dang. That's crazy. That's an average of, you know, six seats apiece. And I'm sure that you know the larger parties, you know, constitute yeah, probably twenty-five to thirty each, but still bananas. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's currently exactly split right now. There are sixty in the caretaker government. There are sixty in the opposition. They're having another election because Netanyahu can hold on to his majority. He's mm-hmm. also under indictment. 
um, going to be tried on bribery charges. So. Good times. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on from that. Uh, I think actually all we're down to is the the local stuff we had yeah we had a proud boy rally in portland today um i i was down there put a bunch of photos and videos up on the uh both the facebook group and the show's twitter account it was um kind of a dud Mm -hmm. uh the proud boys said they trolled everybody in their exit interviews they showed up they sang the national anthem they chanted usa for a while uh, they asked the cops to open the bridge that had been closed. The cops did open the bridge that had been closed because they wanted to get the Proud Boys out of downtown, and the Proud Boys said to go. So they let them march across the bridge, and then they got into a bus and they left. The whole thing took maybe 45 minutes. There was a much, much larger counter-protest full of an extremely eclectic group of people. Uh, there were old Asian dudes cosplaying as, like, Final Fantasy characters. There were people <laughs> going around in inflatable unicorn costumes. There was a group of drag queens doing impromptu performances. There was like a 20 piece brass band dressed in banana outfits that were playing songs for everybody. Uh, there was a, a local trans activist community that was passing out free water bottles and like granola bars to make sure everybody. No, he ate and was hydrated and all that. It was a wonderful, beautiful collection of people. I absolutely adored it. Um, after I left, apparently everything turned into a riot. So, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess a, a bunch of the, the Black Block folks uh, decided after the Proud Boys had left, they were going to rally at the uh, Pioneer Square they got a couple hundred people together down there. It was declared a civic disturbance uh, by the police because they kept, at one point, um, there was a, a guy with an American flag who'd been down there supporting the Proud Boys. He was like a Portland resident, so he was walking back home uh, yeah. with his daughter, an American flag, and they surrounded him, shoving him a bit, yelling at him. Uh, I guess at one point, somebody in the crowd said that there was uh, the Proud Boys were on a bus that was coming by and all the windows on the bus got smashed out uh police started firing some pepper balls and the whole thing went to shit but it died down after an hour or two okay okay so no casualties looks like some arrests but yeah 13 arrests from what i saw um and all of that happened after the main event That, that happened at the secondary uh gathering that happened later um the black block is dumb. Like, I I know there are people who like them. I just, I can't, dude. I, I really can't. Militant anarchist and shit. Like, it's 2019, dude. It's not the First World War. Right, right. Or even 1999. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, not, yeah. we're not in Seattle for WTO. Okay. Yeah, it's... Although even at that time, I, I think their welcome was wearing a little thing. Right. You know, Howard Schultz is an asshole, but we're not going to go breaking Starbucks windows. <laughs> and I mean, yeah. I wouldn't even be so mad about that if there's nobody in Starbucks. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But I mean, mm. you know, when you get kids involved in it and whatnot, they're, they're dumb. Kids are stupid. The black block tends to be teenagers almost entirely. Yeah. Uh, and... You know, let's raise the boating age to like 25. 
we're pretty much screwed democrats i think but yeah yeah it, it certainly would yeah uh, i'm trying to think uh so was there anything in particular that the proud boys were trying to do with this or commemorate or are they just it was just a middle finger again to a community that they hate so they were actually latching on to another dude's protest uh there was a dude from florida i forget his name exactly he is a uh a former associate producer for Infowars, um, and he he was watching news coverage uh, from the last Portland Proud Boys Antifa like running riot through the civil or through the downtown streets, which, to be fair, has been like a monthly occurrence for a couple of years now. Yeah. Um. So I I don't doubt that story. It's been on the news a lot. It happens pretty regularly we have like scheduled riots in this city so i <laughs> i totally buy that he saw it on the news one night but uh he's sitting down there in florida he sees this all happening in portland and he's like you know what fuck those guys those anti-fascists are domestic terrorists i'm going to like bring a bunch of patriots together into portland and we're going to show them what for and so he drove his ass all the way from florida uh for this like scheduled protest. good lord yeah and the proud boys were just like you know what this is a cause we can get behind jeez oh, <laughs> all right okay yeah so they all, that's they all the pile over the bridge the come down from van Tucky and yeah yep uh and so after so before this they actually arrested our our patriot prayer leader in chief uh joey gibson uh, mm -hmm. But then bailed him out like a few hours later. So he was actually at this. Uh, and after they had left, he issued a demand to the mayor that he uh, cease supporting these anti-fascist activists and crack down and clean up this city. Or he's going to have monthly Proud Boy rallies down here, which once again, we already have. So mm -hmm. I don't know what he thinks is going to change. <laughs> Great. Well, well, we get to get to have these sideshows every couple months. Yeah, um, it, it's it's a place where you've got sufficient numbers, I guess, to have a real brawl. Otherwise, it's just this one sided, uh, you know, 10, 10 Nazis show up and get surrounded by a couple hundred you know, anarchists and left wingers. And then you can't really have a fight. Yeah, no, this this definitely has. And uh, they know how to provoke it. And they also know how to like give it back. They, the the Patriot Prayer, the Proud Boys groups make assaults kind of around the periphery of Portland. They they come in in their 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 trucks. They go beat people up in North Portland. They literally just pull up, jump out of the trucks, go beat somebody with a baton for a minute, and then jump back in. It's happened a couple dozen times. They've arrested uh, members maybe twice before. Right. Uh, and it gets everybody pissed off and then they they come down to the waterfront and they you know do their there's nothing wrong with being white signs and all that shit and just provoke a fucking rally or a, a, a riot sure. just they are doing it intentionally they are wanting to disrupt life in the city to the maximum possible it's it, it's what's the word Stochastic terrorism? I think I'm pronouncing that. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's 
That's the term. Yeah, just uh, kind of ginning things up and hoping something happens. Yeah, um, and sometimes doing more than even hoping. At one point uh, in a rally last summer, uh, and we didn't find out about this for a few months, the cops busted one of them up on the roof of a parking garage in downtown with like a rifle, a scope, and a few hundred rounds of ammunition. Yeah. Like taking up sniper positions. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, and the cops, by the way, didn't tell us that all this happened for like three months, and they didn't arrest that guy because it was totally legal. They did make him leave, but didn't do shit to him. Just told mm-hmm. him he had to get out of the parking garage because he didn't park a car there and he was trespassing. Wow. All right. Yeah. Uh, state police were there. Uh, the mayor had put some thought into asking the governor to activate the National Guard. He ultimately did not, but there were about 50, I think, state police officers uh, present, as well as um, the Coast Guard, the sheriff, uh, and I think the U.S. Park Service all had law enforcement uh, boats out on the river in front of the waterfront park. It is technically Park Service land. They have a maritime museum whatnot there, so that's why they were involved. Uh, we had helicopters overhead. I wasn't sure how many were law enforcement helicopters and how many were Muse helicopters, uh, but there were like five or six helicopters circling around up there. Okay. Yeah. That that was basically it. Um, like I said, they told the media afterwards that they trolled everybody. I don't... <laughs> Lol, we didn't get enough people here, but... <laughs> yeah, what's that... That one comic got you. that you see a lot where the guy comes up and says something stupid. Says something, yeah, ridiculous. And then he's like, huh, trolling. Joke's on you. I'm just pretending to be a dumbass. Yeah. That's basically how I feel about that one. I, I think that sums it up pretty well. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Is there anything you're looking forward to next week anything you're following along with what's coming up next week yeah i'm hmm, uh well shit you know deadlines i think are coming up i think it's the 28th for uh candidates to meet the cutoff for the uh presidential debates in september well don't get me started on how stupid this is. Okay, I, I've been ranting about this for a while because so, it's ridiculous. Tom Steyer's going to be there. What the fuck? More to it than that. They are setting this up so that the fourth debate is going to be even more ridiculous than the third debate. They're culling people on the third debate only to then let more people in on the fourth debate. Right, right. The, I think all, all the qualifications you needed to make the third debate also count towards the fourth debate. And you have another month to get new ones. Exactly. So they're going to be right back to like 20 candidates in October. I hmm, I don't know if they're going to get 20 by then, but I think they'd definitely be up to like 15. Yeah. yeah, that's, you know, if like Castro doesn't make the cut by this week, he'll definitely make it by, you know, the end of September. They're uh, allowing individual state polls. I guarantee you. I mm-hmm. can find like 15 polls that show Jerry Yang winning Iowa by like 97%. <laughs> well, they have to be, they still have to be from an approved list of pollsters, but yeah. It gets pretty thin when you get down to the state level. I mean, we're talking like alternative weeklies and whatnot. 
really? <laughs> are acceptable. They, they're accepting no shit. Yeah, <laughs> the the media like acceptance rate kind of scales to the size. You know, it has to be a pretty serious pollster when you're talking national polls. But when you're talking about a poll of South Carolina, they're a lot more flexible about what's allowed. Or Jesus, Nevada, where the polling is just so ridiculous anyway. So, oh, yeah. good. Yeah. Okay. So you don't even, yeah. In fact, I believe that the third debate, you don't, you can't have a, a early state poll. I think it has to be national. Whereas for the fourth debate, you can have an early state poll. Mm, great. But what if they win an immunity challenge? <laughs> I would watch that show. <laughs> just, just letting you know, if we wanted to decide, you know, America's president, like Big Brother, I would put all the Democratic candidates into a house and see what happens. Sure. <laughs> I have a feeling Bill de Blasio is going to be my favorite character. Oh God! Who? Some somebody's going to get on Bernie's case for leaving the toilet seat up. <laughs> oh my God! I've got the Bernie rant in my head already. I've got his voice and everything. The hair. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a good note there. Yep. All right. Have a good one, Dan. Next week. All Next right. Week. Bye.